0: Good morning, everyone. So, this morning, I uh, had my shower, and when I came downstairs, I saw my kids had put little things up. If someone saw my status update on Facebook, it was, it's impossible uh, to keep a house clean with, have, and having children is like trying to brush your teeth and having, or, eating an Oreo at the same time. And that's how we feel in our house. But anyway, sometimes you have these little moments of like, Oh, it's so good to have kids. Beautiful. So I had my shower, got dressed, and I came down, and this is what I see hanging up. They'd tied strings somewhere and they'd hang crayons and everything of them. But anyway, I get this. This is Noah, I'll read Noah's and Annie's. Noah says, I love all people in the whole world. I love my friends. I want all people to love God. Because he is the biggest. So that was number one. And then Annie says, I want all people to love God. I want all the people to love Jesus. I love God. And I want you to have a happy Easter and a happy Christmas. Love, Annie. <laughs> yeah. And that, when you see that as a parent, I mean, it just melts your heart. Eh? So I was really taken back by that this morning. Um, just before we get started, we can thank Iris for these beautiful palms that are everywhere. And if you don't... okay, I, I called her a legend when I came in, and she's like, I didn't know I was a legend. But if you haven't met Iris, she is a legend. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are alive, and that you went and you rode on that donkey. And it was prophesied four five hundred years before. And we thank you, God, that your word is living and it is alive and it speaks to every person, even today. As we go into your word now, Father God, and we just ask that you would meet with the people. We pray that your Holy Spirit would come and the words that I preach, Father God, would purely be from you. We pray that they would settle on the people, people's hearts and they can leave here changed because they know and they're a little bit more about you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So last Sunday we spoke about who Jesus said he was in the I Am statements. Um, so yeah, he was the bread of life. He was the light of the world. He was the gate for the sheep. He was the good shepherd, the resurrection, and the life, the true vine, and he was the way, the truth, and the life. Those are all things that Jesus says about himself, things that can comfort us. If we know these things about Christ, how much better will it, and how much will it benefit us? But this week, I want to switch, switch the coin around and speak about our identity in Christ. And when I found this picture, I was like, man, that is just perfect. You see, we're born with an identity, and then if you look closely there, you see that cross. But Jesus gives us this new identity, and we have this identity in Christ. So just as Jesus has his identity as I am the way, the truth, and the life, and he has that identity, he has those I am statements about himself, so too We have an identity when we come to knowing Christ. So firstly, when I was a tennis coach in South Africa, it was like you'd coach tennis, you'd do like 45 hours a week, you'd be slaving away, and someone comes up to you and says, what do you do for a living? You say, no, I coach tennis. And they say, "Jesus, is that a full-time job? You're like, yeah, it's a full-time job. He said, can you make a living out of it? So I'm like, yeah. He says, but there's only kids in the afternoon. So I said, mate, you can make a living out of it. It's a great life. Then you go to the States and you're coaching a little summer camp. And you're sitting on the subway and the guy is saying to you, so what do you do? He says, I say, oh, I've coached tennis. Man, that's awesome. I was going to do American accent, but that would just be bad. <laughs> um, so he says, that's awesome, man. I, w- I wish I could be a coach. Like, How can I get hold of you? I'd love to have a lesson with you. That's amazing. And straight away, after that little 30-second encounter with a stranger, you feel like, boom, I'm up. I can do this. I'm a tennis coach. I'm amazing. My identity is great. South Africa, you're like, ooh, really, mate? Is this all you're capable of, a tennis coach? (laughs) And you've got this, like, false identity about yourself. Um, But... When we have our identity in Christ, that all changes. Another thing about identity is we kind of get uh, labeled. You know, you get nicknames growing up. The surname like Bullbring, I got um, Bulldog, Bullfrog, Ballerina. You know, just like anything that said came out of the B that was negative, that was me. And I had my one and only fight with a guy. In grade three, he just kept on calling me bullfrog. And I was like, this is just irritating me. And I was like, I had to sort this out. And I knew my brother was in grade five, so I would win that fight easy, because it was a break time, so he took care of the guy. But the whole idea is that I had this, these hurtful names giving me the incorrect identity of who I was. Then I've got my father's identity, and please don't call me this. My father, to this day, calls me Porky. You know? Hey, Porky, nice to hear your voice, you know. But that's cool. It's like an endearing term. So why do I say these things to you about identity? And, and what do they have to do with how Christ sees us? You see, when Christ comes into our lives, we have a new identity. The old has gone and the new has come. So my question to you this morning is, where are you getting your identity from? You know, when you base your opinion on what others think of you, you're just going to be this emotional roller coaster. But when you base your opinion on what the Bible tells you that you are, you can become stable. Even though the emotions are going up and down, up and down, you've got this constant God and He's just saying to you, this is who you are. This is who you are. Do you believe me? This is who you are. So I'm just going to do three things. There are so many beautiful things that God tells us about himself in the word. But I'm just going to go through three things about what God tells us. And the first one is in John chapter 1, verses 9 to 13, where he says, The true light, which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And I want to highlight verse 12 there where it says, But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. So here we have it. Amazing. God calling you His children. Like the creator of the world. The one who has made everything, is calling you his child. You know, we've all had earthly fathers. And I've had a good relationship with my dad over the years. I really have. I mean, I'm so blessed to have this relationship with my dad. But to know that I have a father who knows everything, about everyone, that just takes my dad and puts him here and just takes God. And I'm so thankful that I can just look up and I know that I have a father who loves me with everything. You see, many of us have had that same privilege of having a really nice father, nice upbringing. But then there's a couple of people who, unfortunately, they've had their father maybe let them down a lot. Didn't pitch up to the game they wanted to watch. Broken promises, you know, left them alone. Ran out on the family. But that is not who our God is. Our God is a God who is here for us. He is that Father. And the reason I'm trying to emphasize this is because I want it to just settle here. In your heart. I don't want it to be up here. I want it to be in your heart that you know that this God is your Father. And you are His child. And He loves you. You see, as as a father... As the Father God says in the next slide, he goes on and he says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. I've loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. Do we like these pictures? That's amazing. You see, no matter how much or how little you were loved as a child by your earthly parents or how good or how bad your relationship was with your earthly father, as a child of God, you have access to this everlasting love. You see, this love that's everlasting does not stop when your father or mother passes away or when you pass away, but this everlasting love as a child of God continues forever. I mean, how amazing is that? That we have access as a child of God to this love that just does not stop. And the thing about people on earth, we love love. Love is what kind of motivates us. I'll tell you a story about when I met Tamron. It was easy to go to bed at like 2, 3 in the morning. You know, you just sit up on the couch chatting. It's no problem because you're motivated by love. You're like, oh, I love this girl. I just want to be with her. And then after like six weeks, nine o'clock comes. You're like, hey, I'm tired, man. I'll see you later. <laughs> but you know what? It's those fleshly desires got satisfied, all right. And then you just became content and you became happy in your relationship. And although you love and you loved her and it's still growing, that father's love is not. It just goes on and on and on. You see, as human beings, we search for love and we look for love. And we do anything for love. But the love uh, that we spoke about last week from the bread of life, that is the love that truly satisfies. How often do you save up for something? I won't use the iPhone 5 analogy again and get it all wrong. But how often do you save up for something and you get it? Let's say it's a beautiful car. I love that car. I've got to have it. You buy it. Three days later, like the cars are right. You start driving, there's breadcrumbs in the back. You know, that love is just so temporary, but is the bread of life, the one who satisfies us spiritually. You know, how amazing is that love? And not only is that love everlasting, but it's also compassionate. And as we see in the next verse, it says, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion. To those who fear him. And then 2 Corinthians 1 verses 3 it says. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of mercies. And the God of all comfort. And I was thinking to myself. How on earth as a parent. Do I show compassion? For those of you who know Noah. It's always just easier to bring it home. You know it's easy, easy analogies. Now my son Noah. From when he was a little boy, if he got a drop of water on him, he would always take his shirt off and just like freak out. Gets a, have a sip of water, gets on his pants. He can be in a restaurant. It doesn't make a difference where he is. Off, and, like, ah, and you get frustrated. And then what happened was we had him just a little quick test and just like he's got some sensory issues and that. And I began to understand my child. And then I could show compassion on him, because I understood what he needs. So now, when we arrived here, we went out, about the second day we were here, I went to Kamana Bay with Terry and Tiff, and I said to Terry, "Uh, if no messes anything on him, he's probably going to take his clothes off. And Terry was like, that's not going to happen. I promise you, the first sip, messed, clothes off, Terry's like, oh, what the heck's happening? I was like, it's okay. Because I understood the needs of my child. And God, as your Father who is compassionate, understands your needs. And He can come to you and He can help you in those needs. I mean, that is just, to me, that is amazing that we serve this God who understands everything about us. For example, if we consider that there are 5, 6 billion people on this earth, how does God know everything about everyone all the time? People say that's impossible. That, that's that's just a ridiculous statement. How can this God that you serve be able to do that? Then you go onto the NASA website, and you see the stars in the universe that he has created. This ma- majesty of his creation and the magnitude of, this, of it. And you see that this earth that we live in, live in is just a little, tiny little prick. And you can understand that the God who created everything, it's actually not hard for him. When you understand how big God is and how able he is, your needs can be met through this God. Just as I am now able to meet the needs of my son because I understand him, The same God that you and I are serving understands our needs and he can meet them. And never, ever doubt his capabilities for him to meet your needs. In verse 13 of John chapter 1, it says, We are not born of natural descent. And that brings me to my second point, where I say, therefore, in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 and 18, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. And all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. (laughs) So the first thing we are is we are children of God. And secondly, when you come to Christ, you become a new creation. You see, what happens is when you come to Christ, that old man with all his desires gets thrown away. And you, come and you get born anew. You see, it's not, when you come to Jesus, it's not like you're going to a, a drug rehab for three weeks. And your act gets cleaned up. It's not like that. You see, when you come to Jesus and you get born again and saved and you trust your life to him, you become a new creation, completely new. see, those things like pride, reliance on your works to impress your friends, your habits and your passions, when you come to Jesus and you accept him and that incorruptible seed of God is inside of you, all those desires fade away into comparison to what this new creature wants, and this new creature, new human being born of God, now looks upward and outward. It looks to Christ. You know, the old has died and the new has come. And for me, as a new creation, I, I'd read the Bible before. I'd heard it being read to me, but it meant nothing. And as a new creation, I read this stuff and I was like, "This is unbelievable." Look at this. They're actually like the words that come out and they become so relevant to you. You know, it becomes alive in you. You know, that new has come and you start living for his glory. And you take that old self off and you're not interested anymore. Because you just want to live for God. Because you are a new creation. You See, this new creation is a wondrous thing. To be a child of God and to live for him is such a privilege. So how I came about to become a Christian was, okay, we had five kids, so it was pretty busy at home. And my one sister, and I have spoken to her about this, she said I can share it. She was a complete bulimic. She was a disaster. I mean, we would come home after playing sport all day, and my sister would be lying on the stairs, just eating, taking a tub of peanut butter and just eating it. Not a small tub, a big tub. And she had just eaten it and she'd just be like feeling disgusting. And it it was just like heartbreaking like to see someone suffering before your eyes. Above her bed was like, okay, in kilograms, I don't know what it is in pounds, but it had like 46, 45, 44, 43. And every day she'd take them off, put them back, take them off, put them back. Depending on where she was. My parents found... Doctors to help her. They, they went to psychologists. They went everywhere. No one could help her. She was a broken person. And then they heard of this lady, Marlene Wickens, who was just a Christian counselor. And what an incredible woman of God. She was the first woman or man that I'd met that could just say, it's there in the Bible. It's there in the Bible. It's there in the Bible. And she discipled my sister. And after a few months, my sister gave her life to Christ. And I saw this, this miracle happen before my eyes. I saw my sister go from this broken individual to a new person, someone who was now filled with this love of God. She'd become a child of God, and she was a new creation. Those numbers came off the wall, the eating habits restored. Now she's got two of the most beautiful children. Things that would never happen unless the miracle of the new creation came in her life. So I, at 14, 15, started to see this happening. And I was quite intrigued. I didn't understand it. And then I started to hear her speak and started to understand a little bit. And I phoned my friend on this one Sunday and I said, Can I come to church with you? Don't know why I did it, but I said, Can I come to church with you? And I heard the testimony of a woman and it was... All about how God had saved her and uh, she had been crippled and she was walking again. And there was this miracle, and I was like, I need to be born again. I need to be made new. And I I didn't even have like a choice. It was like, I stood there, does anyone want to come and accept Jesus as their Savior? I was like, boom, I'm in. And I just went down and I gave my life to God and I'd become a new creation. And as As a young guy, we all had aspirations of being good at something or being famous for something. And I was into my golf. And that was my passion. I loved it. I lived for my golf. Every day I practiced. Wanted to be a pro golfer. Wanted to play at at the Masters and see James Rawcliffe cheering me on. But I was born new of God. And those passions, they kind of died. And what happened was... When I played golf on a Sunday, I wasn't interested in the golf anymore. I just wanted to make sure I finished early enough so I could get to church. Because I was new. I was so excited about this God that I was serving. I just wanted to learn more. And I had become a new creation with eternal security as a child of God. And the last thing I want to talk about, in verse 13 of, uh, sorry, I've just gone way over here. John 15, verse 15. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. And it's really cool that Jesus calls us friends, And just one thing, this is for me personally, it doesn't have to be for you, but for me personally, it's very difficult, I know Jesus is my best friend, but it's very difficult for me to relate to Jesus as, hey, this is my buddy, because he's so much more than my buddy, you know? I never want to lose the respect of who Jesus says he is, when he says, I am the great I am, you know? There's that boundary, and I don't want to cross it like you see some stuff going on out there. Jesus is not this Chomi, which is South African, like friend. He's not just this guy here on the side. He is still Jesus, the Son of God. So in having a friend, just keep your respect for Jesus, you know, because he is still holy, and he is pure. But when we become friends with people, we have something to offer. You know, we, I come and I become a friend with uh, Tammy and I will come and I'll bring a sort of like spontaneity and she'll go, let's just check out the situation first. You know, let's just make sure the path is straight and then we can go. You know, or if I come and I meet, I'll, I'll meet Sean for lunch and, I, and he's like, wow, it's amazing. This is what God is doing. This is what God is doing. He, he's bringing encouragement to me. And all our friends bring something to us. But what does Jesus come? And he, bring to, he brings to us. And now the fact that we can be friends with Jesus, he says, like, we can, sorry, when we are friends with Jesus, he allows us access to his friends. And that is amazing. Because when I came to the island many years ago, and you go into a church, and hopefully this happens at any church, where you go in. You find friends. Straight away, Jesus shares his friends with you. I went to Holland. The first time I went overseas was in, I was 21, and I arrived in Holland. I'd flown 11 hours, and I arrived on this plane, and I didn't know a soul. And I was like, God is here too? It was like a revelation that God is so big that no matter where I am in the world, God is there. And we went to a church in Holland, and you know what? I've got friends there. Christian friends. And that is such a, a beautiful thing to me that as Christians you can come to church and you can just find friends because of this friend we have in Jesus. And as a friend as myself as a friend to you I can tell you honestly now I will not have the best advice. I'm not the greatest Christian counselor but I will tell you that if I'm out with my family and you phone me and you say I need you I will drop everything, even if I'm about to eat my steak. I'll drop it, and I'll come to you. That's where I am as a friend. You know, you can rely on me for that. I'll be there for you. But Christ does so much more. You see, I'm not going to die for you. I'll come pick you up at East End if I have to. (laughs) But I am not going to die for you. And Jesus is your friend. He died on the cross for you. Now he gives you an opportunity to come to know him as friend through the death on the cross. Another thing that the, Jesus gives us as a friend is he's our healer. My, one of my mentors in South Africa phoned me this week, and he was sick in hospital for four days. And he phoned me and he said, Richard, I just want to tell you. He's an extremely anxious guy and struggles a bit with life. But he phoned me, in like a teary voice, and he says to me, Richard, I want to tell you that my God is a healer. He has healed me from my sickness. And Jesus, as your friend, he is your healer. He is your everything. He offers that eternal life. The greatest gift. How often as friends do we try and impress each other by giving them gifts? Here, have this. Here, have this. I'll be your friend. Look what I can give you. It fails miserably in comparison to what the great Savior of the world can give you. Eternal life. And I just want you to take off your physical eyes for a second even close your eyes if you want. Just think spiritually, like he has given you eternal life. This friend Jesus, when you take off your physical eyes and you realize what this life is all about, this Jesus offers you eternal life. A co-heir to the throne, Praising God and with the angels singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. There's not many friends who can offer you that. But can you imagine that? This friend Jesus offering eternal life. Standing there before God with Christ. Just like singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's what Jesus offers you as a friend. And we spoke a little bit earlier about love, the love of God. Jesus, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit are the source of all love. And if you are on this planet and you are not satisfied with the love that you are receiving and finding in areas, I would encourage you, come to the source of all love. Come to Christ. Come to know Him as your best friend. You see, as a child of God, I'm so thankful that each one of us here, regardless of how we grew up, whether we were orphans, moving from home to home, whether we had no father figure present, whether we had the greatest parents in the whole world, you have access to to a father who is far superior to your parents. How encouraging is that? We all have same access to that father. So when God is constant and you are going like this, up above, down below, you know your father is there. He is a rock for you to live on. And as a child of God, you become a new creation. Can you imagine we are a new creation. The old is gone. The desires are gone. And now we are seeking God. We are looking heavenward, trying to please God. And my encouragement to you in this is that, unfortunately, those desires try and come back. But I'd love for you to take those godly desires. They're all over in the Word. You've just got to open up your Bible to see what's in there, to see what is godly. Take those desires and feed them. And water them. And let them grow up and mature. Simple things like, when you see someone who needs some help, help them. You know? Uh, Dan, why don't you go back to that side about compassion? There. It isn't enough to be compassionate. You must act. You see, God places compassion in us when we become Christians. All right. But it's one thing to have that compassion. But you must act upon that compassion as a new creation. And God has called us friends. We have a true friend in Christ. And what a privilege to know that now Jesus Christ says he is, I am the light of the world. I am the vine. Those seven things that he says. But now you know who you are. You are a child of God. Those who receive him, he calls children of God. Not only are you a child, but you are a new creation. And lastly, you have a friend in Jesus, who when you take off those spiritual eyes, you realize what a friend, those physical eyes, you put your spiritual eyes on, you realize what a friend you have. He is the one who is far superior to anything that this world can offer you. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We thank you so much, Lord, that you, as the great I am, entitle us to to new things about ourselves when we come to know your son, Jesus. I thank you that as the greatest father in the world, you allow us to be your children. And I can say I am a child of God. And I thank you, Lord, that when I accept your son Jesus as my Savior and I start to live a life after him and what he desires, that I can become a new creation. And I thank you, Jesus, that you are my friend. The one that I can rely on And the one that I can depend on. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.